Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome indeed. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. What day? It's Tuesday, isn't it? I've lost track of the days and we're only the second day into the week. But yes, I'm quite well. Are you well? I am well, yeah. Um, I've been looking forward to recording. We haven't recorded in a couple of weeks. And we're now getting... We, we kind of plan these episodes in advance by five games. So we're we're through this lot of five games after today's game. And we move on to the next five, and I'm I'm quite excited about some of those, so I'm looking forward to a new batch of games to play. Getting closer to that 50. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that, almost halfway through. Yep, it's good stuff. T- t- taken us just, just over a year, so I think that's good progress. Yeah, I think we, we've kind of found uh, a rhythm with it, haven't we? And um, it's it's a lot easier now than I feel like it was at times last year. Yeah, definitely. We've we found our groove per se. Yeah, the emperor's new groove. Quite right. So today we are talking about number sixty on the Metacritic Top One Hundred list. Number sixty is the mouthful of a title, The Elder Scrolls Four: Oblivion, which was released in two thousand and six and has a Metacritic aggregate score of 94 right so just um top of the head impressions from you please oblivion's one of those games that i think you're quite hard pressed to find people around our age that play video games that haven't played oblivion or don't have some kind of experience with it and if they haven't touched oblivion then it's probable that they know of or have played skyrim i mean the, the elder scrolls is such a such a mammoth game franchise isn't it yeah and i mean we've, we've both got history with this game which we'll go into and i feel this game I, I i had an idea of how i would react to this game before we even started playing it and it's been a good few years since i have played it but i'm very mixed about oblivion it's um yeah it's it's a, it's a bit of a a difficult one for me to pin down but i agree i agree it, with that yeah it, it's an odd one. what about your initial thoughts yeah it, i think you're right in saying that anyone of our age will have had some experience of oblivion and i also think that's to do with um the publicity that surrounded it in terms of this was a game that, that um got load loads of i don't know if they're gifs or gifs I think they're. I think GIF. officially they're gifs, but um, apparently they're officially gifs. But um, I preferred gifs. But yeah, and, and memes and all sorts of things around that. So you got so I mean so many videos on YouTube just just mocking <laughs> um, some of the some of the features, let's say, of Oblivion. So it it, it came around a real a real I suppose important time for gaming. So. I think, yeah, you'd be hard-pressed not to know what Oblivion is. And it's funny because you say about um, Elder Scrolls and about it being 
entrenched in gaming culture and it and it is um but Morrowind to me is a more niche title I think Oblivion was the one that really made that mainstream because it was the first time it was um on Sony consoles for example um so you obviously increased your audience massively there and then after that you had it releasing on everything and Skyrim's come out on everything and it's nan so <laughs> yeah on your scientific calculator that you take to school you can play skyrim on now exactly on your on your watch you can play skyrim and not not a digital watch either no on your analog watch on your, yeah. on your on your on your swiss watch i heard you can play it on a radio i don't know about that i've heard that you can play it in a scrapbook with a with a pen and a paper that, that's that's where you can play it the best I heard you can you can get one of those oranges and you can just wire it up like they they do. Well, I've heard that you <laughs> that used to be an adventurer until you took an arrow to the knee. Yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's a that's one of Skyrim's memes that came from it, isn't it? So massive meme. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is a game that everyone our age and around our age will be very familiar with. So. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting topic, I think. So you mentioned your history with the game. Do you want to give a bit more detail about your your personal history with this yeah, game? Yeah, I mean, I, I played this game quite a lot back in the day. And then I remember when, when Skyrim came out, when you and me were both in our first year of uni, and then from there I didn't really touch Oblivion again. And I put in countless hours into Skyrim across different consoles. But Oblivion was one of those games that I played a fair bit, probably when I was about 17 or 18, perhaps. Uh, so it had been out a few years by that point. And the thing with Oblivion that I find differentiates from Morrowind is even though Morrowind's the older game, I feel that Morrowind has aged better than Oblivion has. And I mean, I, I originally played this on the Xbox 360 because that was... Uh, that was the first console of that generation that I got. I had a PS2 for years and then I eventually got a 360 arcade. And re- realistically, whenever I think of Elder Scrolls games, I do think of the Xbox and even yeah, even more so now that obviously Bethesda has been bought by, by Microsoft itself. Well, is it Zenimax that's been bought by Microsoft or is it? Zenimax Bethesda? who owns Bethesda, yeah. yeah. So I've always puts microsoft and elder scrolls games together it's not really a game that i mean when the, when the new um elder scrolls game comes out whenever that is if it does come out on the ps5 i'll probably more than likely pick it up on the xbox instead just because i've always put those two things together but yeah it's i've, I've played hours and hours and hours and hours of oblivion in the past but not for about 10 12 years so it's um it's a varied history i suppose what about yours yeah this i was an early adopter of the xbox 360 um i had a ps2 and i had a gamecube at the time i didn't have um the original xbox and my mind was kind of blown when i saw the graphics of the 360 and i was getting it for christmas and i was looking through what games to get and I saw this game, Oblivion, was getting rave reviews um, everywhere, which is why it's on this list. And I looked at it, I looked at the like the, the, the screenshots and I looked at what the game was. Um, and I just thought, well, this, this looks unlike anything that I've ever seen before. And I played it around Christmas, just after Christmas, I think, put it in and uh, got through the 
the dungeon at the beginning, which is just a complete drag. Yeah. <laughs> and got outside for the first time, and it, and 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 this is that famous moment that everyone um, recalls when they they first played Oblivion. You get outside into the world of Cyrodiil for the first time, and you see that world. You see the the hills and all the trees going all the way back, and you see the Imperial City and the water in front of you, and it really is a gaming moment. It's 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 a special moment for many gamers, and this this is what puts it into perspective for me. If you played Morrowind on the original Xbox, then you would have had something similar to this. Um, but yeah, it's when you get off the ship. Um, yeah, as obviously it's an Elder Scrolls game as a prisoner, and then but then just... obviously the the draw distance on Morrowind isn't as good, so no. it's not not as uh, I wouldn't say it's as impressive. Because one thing I, I agree with you in some respects in terms of Morrowind aging better, but one thing that still impresses me about Oblivion is is the the landscapes. Faces. Oh, the faces are horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> but the landscapes themselves, especially running on in in four K, look pretty great still. Some of them, yeah, especially um, the water. Yeah, so I mean, don't get too close to the water if you want it to look amazing. But like from afar, you're looking like oh, that looks pretty good. Well, that's it. It's from afar, everything looks really nice. I think they they kind of found that balance and then. As you get closer, it kind of falls apart a bit. But yeah, when you when you're wandering around, you do get some vistas that really surprise you. I mean, I sent you a few on my phone. I was just taking photos and, and saying, "Well, this doesn't look like a game from 2006." And at times, it doesn't. At times, it looks horrifically like a game from 2006. Yeah, but it, it it's just for a console gamer. Of course, PC gamers had, had had this stuff well before console gamers, but for a console gamer, you didn't, especially if you played on PS2 a lot, which so many people did, um, you hadn't had this experience before. Now, the, I mean, the closest things I can think to something like Oblivion before that I played on the PS2 was something like Baldur's Gate, and that was um, kind of like an isometric game. So it was uh, completely different. There was nothing that had that scale, that openness that Oblivion had. So I, uh, th- the thought that I had was um, this is like Lord of the Rings in game form. And yeah, obviously definitely. Lord of the Rings was so popular at that time. So I think all, all gamers that were fans of Lord of the Rings were looking for that game to scratch the Lord of the Rings itch. And this came along and it felt like that. Um, well, I mean, and th- this, was, this was like Bethesda... I wouldn't say at their prime because I think um, when Skyrim came along five years later, I I personally think that Skyrim knocks Oblivion out of the park. But with the critical acclaim that Oblivion got, then two years later, you had Fallout Three come out, and I mean Fallout Three has got its got its issues like with the narrative and with the gameplay and all of that. But I mean Fallout Three is still a pretty solid game, and I'm actually a little bit surprised that it isn't in the top 100, but Oblivion is. Um, yeah, because Fallout Three is brilliant, and then obviously New Vegas came out a couple of years after that, but that was um, that was through Obsidian, not Bethesda itself. But like around this time, Bethesda was kind of on fire with what what they were putting out. I mean, they they were, they were glitchy messes a lot of the time, and they still are. But I mean, like you say, when you compare it to stuff people had played beforehand, there was nothing like it. And and that's that's an important thing to remember, I suppose, for this discussion is that. For a lot of people, this would have been their introduction to gaming like this. Now, yeah. it's, it's a funny thing because I feel like 
every game nowadays, almost every game, is open world. Every game has taken this formula that Oblivion had and run with it. Yeah. So, along the way, games have iterated, games have improved, games have chopped off the things that, that weren't great. Um, but you're kind of looking at a bit of a precursor here. Obviously, you go further back, Morrowind is pre- precursor to Oblivion. Um, but... And then Daggerfall and Arena were precursors to that. Yeah, but as you said about Fallout 3, it's it's a surprise really that Morrowind's not on the list. I mean, you could say it, I suppose, about any number of Bethesda games. Um, Except Fallout 76. Yeah, they've had their fall from grace. But then, as you say, you can also say about Bethesda games that they are janky and that... Oh, big time. Glitchy and that other, other game makers deliver more polished experiences and, and, I, and I think we'll come back round to that when we wrap this episode up yeah um, anyway so how did you play Oblivion today? Uh, ex- Xbox today, again I played but... it on my um, on my Xbox One so it was a pretty on your Xbox One X Xbox One X sorry yeah it, it was a pretty seamless experience compared to how I played it you know 12 years ago so it's pretty much the same where, where did you play it? yeah I played it on my Series X but as far as I know they're running yeah, the same. Identically, um, both in 4K. The only thing that might have, I might have seen an improvement on is the load times. Yes. But they were really not an issue for me. Um, whereas I do remember playing it on the PS3 back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And you're running Long. around the world and you get this load, loading message loading up the next area. Oh, it says loading area or something. And you're paused for about 10 seconds at a time well, which was really annoying <laughs> the thing that I'm quite looking forward to um, to seeing is when we do eventually get to play Skyrim um, because no doubt it will get released on the PS5 because it may as well oh, pop yeah. it on another console um, I, I've got a lot more experience with oh, Skyrim I don't know, don't, don't know about the PS5 though they, they may do I reckon but we'd will. have to see how this Bethesda deal plays out with, um, with Microsoft but I mean I, I've got a bit more experience with playing Skyrim than you haven't I I mean, hours. I played about ten hours of it. Oh yeah, fair enough. I've probably played about a hundred hours of it over the years, and the load times on it are particularly bad. So I'm kind of hoping that it does come out on the PS5 just so I can see how good the load times on it. Um, Yeah. Because yeah, the the load times on the old Oblivion, particularly on the 360, were bad. (laughs) They were. Yeah. I distinctly remember that. Can you give us the plot of Oblivion in one minute, please? Yeah, everyone's got stupid faces and you save the world. <laughs> Was that a good description? Or do you need more? Do you need um, more detail? Bit more, bit more uh, in depth. I'll, I'll give you a bit more detail. Um, so the the Emperor is kind of on his way out. He's dying and he doesn't have an heir. So he meets you in a prison because that's how every Elder Scrolls When you say came. he's on his way out, he's, 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 he's on his way sick, out. Is he? He he's 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 not long for this for this plane. He's got leprosy and he's <laughs> he's Patrick Stewart and he's got a beam me up Scotty. That's what that's what what it is. And um, he he comes across you in a prison because that's how every Elder Scrolls game starts ever. Yeah. And says, oh, there's something special about you. And it gets revealed that there's no air, <laughs> meaning that um, a cult called is it the Myth- Mythic Dawn, isn't it? Yeah, the Mythic, Mythic Dawn. Dawn are opening these things called Oblivion Gates, uh, which is a portal to another world where this race of creatures called Daedra live, and they're coming through and taking over the world. So it's your job 
to go and find Sean Bean, who <laughs> his character is called Martin, who is the illegitimate child in the bloodline of the uh, the Emperor. Basically, put him on the throne, which will then stop the uh, mythic dawn opening the Oblivion Gates and bring peace to Cyrodiil and everyone can live happily ever after. And that is a professional description of the story of Oblivion. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you've missed anything major there. And everyone's got good faces. Now, one thing that I think you can say about Bethesda's games is that I think they're very much influenced by the times. Now, what I mean by that is Oblivion is very much, um, and I've heard lots of people discuss this, very much in the style of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, it, it, it calls Lord of the Rings to mind and the architecture is kind of like, some people call it generic fantasy, um, but it, I'd say it borrows a lot from Lord of the Rings. Um, and then Skyrim, you can see parallels with Game of Thrones. It's a darker, grittier game, and and the the color schemes are more, I'd say, darker and more. It's a very Nordic game, Skyrim. Yeah, and um, then you've got things like Fallout Three, very much. Oh, it's a post-apocalyptic game, and they're very popular at the time. Yeah, and then you've got Bethesda trying to keep up with the times by releasing the online Fallout Seventy Six, and we all know how that went. So, but so. Very bad. So it's it's very it's it's it's. I think they they are influenced by what's going on and what's popular in the world, which which makes sense. Um, and I think this 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 idea that it was kind of a bit like Lord of the Rings in game form. Um, I think that was a bit deliberate from them, and I think nowadays when you play it, it's not so much. I think there are other games that are much closer to Lord of the Rings, but. I think at the time that, that, like I say, there's nothing like it. Um, but the, the world of Oblivion is Cyrodiil, and you you start off in the Imperial City, and there are seven or eight cities around Cyrodiil that you can travel to, and you can either follow the road or you can go through forests. You can climb mountains. It's it's that old adage of if you can see that mountain, you can climb it, and you can do that here. Um, it's it's impressive. And it's again, it's unlike anything that really came before it, with the exception of some PC games and Morrowind. Well, it's more um, of a limitless open world, isn't it, compared to stuff stuff you get today? I mean, it was interesting comparing it because at the same time as playing Oblivion, um, like you and me have usually got a few games on the go. Oh yeah. Well, you you more so than me because I don't really play as much at the moment. You but, were playing Ghost of Tsushima, weren't you? Yeah, I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima at the moment, just as a little side game for fun. Because I wanted something to kind of play on the PS5 because I haven't really got any PS5 games yet. And the contrast between playing something like Oblivion and playing Ghost of Tsushima, obviously graphically is massively stark. But yeah, I mean, thinking of Ghost of Tsushima, it is an open world game, but it's the same kind of feeling that I get when I play... Um, Assassin's Creed? Yeah, maybe Assassin's Creed or... Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: Phantom Pain, where it is an open world, but I feel there's a limit to it. Whereas with Oblivion, it feels a bit more limitless. And obviously there are invisible walls in Oblivion, the same as there were in Skyrim. But with um, 
with Elder Scrolls games, there's something about them that makes them feel a lot more limitless and like you can go to a lot more places just off off the bat. And it's what I imagine playing Breath of the Wild is like because you know I've I've not played Breath of the Wild. I've got it, but I've not started it yet. So I'm probably going to wait until we play it for this podcast. Yeah, but there's something a lot more limitless about the Elder Scrolls games that you don't get in other open world games which I think is quite quite a cool concept that basically in Oblivion you see something you go over there and as well as that the land in between cities and towns and ruins or whatever it isn't barren you look at MGS5 yeah there's nothing to do when you're traveling and obviously Skyrim Oblivion Morrowind actually Morrowind didn't have fast travel but they've got fast travel there but it's fun to not do those things because you can come across lots of different things whilst you're traversing the world whereas in MGS5 there isn't really that in some of the Assassin's Creed games they don't have that as much anymore and it is quite difficult to make an open world game that is engaging when you're not doing you know the main stuff and I think that's something that Bethesda kind of nailed um you know, because it was always fun to traverse the the Elder Scrolls worlds, even when you're not doing anything in particular, you're just travelling. Yeah, for the first half of playing this game, I didn't use fast travel at all. I was just, um, I wanted to see what happened when I was out on, on the roads, and I and you encounter a bunch of side quests that you may never see. Yeah. Um, it, it's a huge world, it really is. It, it, I mean... Back in 2006, it was quite intimidating to have all this space. And as you say, there are no limits on where you can go. If you want to go to the southernmost city straight away, you can go there yeah. before you even go to the Imperial City if you want to. Um, so there's no, there are no limits here. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird game. And you're right, it's, it's, they've, they've kind of nailed having those places that you can see along the way and those places you can visit and those side quests. Uh, I mean, there, there are load, load times between entering the city, which I always found annoying and I still find annoying. Um, but when you're out and about in, in the world, I think that's the game at its most impressive. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. It's, it's, it's just more engaging to play, isn't it, than running around... Afghanistan in MGS5 and going down sand dunes in a cardboard box and trying to find (laughs) tapes to play like it gets boring and I think that's the thing that kept me going back to playing Skyrim is all of the side quests all of the extra stuff that you can pick up it's fun and I think Oblivion you know is a is a good proponent of that and it goes back to um I think you've watched some of his videos on YouTube um, and it was his video on Morrowind. I can't remember if it's Super Bunny Hop or if it's LGR, but he was talking about Morrowind and he was saying that with Elder Scrolls games, there is a real sense of progression and I didn't get to getting this far in Oblivion this time around. I mean, I completed it, but... I mean, in terms of all of the extras that I'd done when I was younger, I didn't get to that level of, of gameplay with it. So I remember back in the day, I had a ring that meant I could walk on water and that I could fly and all that kind of thing. 
and I can't remember if it's LGR or Super Bunny Hop, but they say something in their video about Morrowind that, you know, at the start of the game, you're a lowly prisoner with no skills and you've got nothing. Then by the end of the game, you're this like weather changing god that can just fly around the map and you know shoot lasers out of your your hands you know there's a yeah, real was... sense of progression with elder scrolls games that i think is quite satisfying to to play i saw a video of someone um there was they were using i don't know what what it's like air walking i think it is yeah and there's a spell for air walking yeah and i managed to, to get that. to the top of the imperial tower by air walking all the way up there um yeah not only are there very few seams but there are very few seams vertically as well yeah it is it's impressive and that kind of gets on to something that i want to touch on which is this this thing called radiant ai which is the artificial intelligence that oblivion uses now if you've looked on youtube or if you've seen anything about oblivion You've probably seen some of the ridiculous things that happen <laughs> when you're playing this game. That this, this this game, and they can be hilarious, like the one with the dogs. <laughs> oh, the, uh, hello! It's just I love dogs. Don't you? Well, the, well, there's there's a good example of it, and <laughs> you go. So there's a video of someone that goes up and puts this touch spell on someone, and the touch spell makes the character aggressive towards guards, and then the guards kill the person. And then two seconds later, the same guard that killed him goes up and says, he's dead. <laughs> so so, so it, it's, it's, a, it's actually a really impressive system that they use the Radiant AI. And, and again, that this wasn't in Morrowind and this was something that was very new at the time. Now, the way that they originally described the Radiant AI is that all characters in the game can do anything. Like they've got this decision-making process and they can do anything. Um... But they had to tone it down because what they what they found kept happening was that, that um, the AI characters would end up killing each other and stealing and committing crimes constantly. And you had this chaotic world, so they had to, to pull it back a bit. But what they still managed to maintain is because you still get hints of that. You still get these random things that happen, um, which are just completely unexpected. And I mean, in most playthroughs, you're going to see some of that stuff. I saw some, some, some weird stuff when I was playing. But... Um, they pulled it back, but what you still get is that the people in the world of Cyrodiil are people that live their lives. This doesn't feel like... So many games still do it nowadays, where you enter a town and it feels like... I mean, Japanese RPGs do it all the time. It feels like the characters are waiting for you to speak to them, and then they have these stock lines that they say to you, and then yeah, you move they, on. Yeah, they don't have a schedule or a life no. um, other than being there to await your... Um your input yeah, do they exactly and, and and oblivion avoids that so you've got people that sleep they eat they do their jobs they might go to the pub on a, a saturday afternoon they have like calendars um not only for weeks but for months so that they'll on the on the third sunday of every month they might go to, down to a different city um it's stuff that i mean I can't really think of that many games that do it to this degree, but it's quite impressive. The the the, the game that immediately came to mind when you said that was because um, I remember they tried to do it with GTA San Andreas, didn't they? Where people driving into their their houses and their um, I think it was four. Uh, 
you know San Andreas as well it had it where you'd see pedestrians driving into car parks outside the houses to break it, make it look like they were going home but then they'd get right. out of the car and then they'd just walk down the street but the um the one game that comes to mind in terms of scheduling for AIs and stuff and them having their own life is I, I don't know if you've played it is Kingdom Come Deliverance yeah I, I, I've, I've got that but it's on my on my backlog pile that that game will that 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 game will consume you. I had to stop playing because I was just going to lose myself in it. It's so detailed with all of that stuff. It's ridiculous. Um, it's a good game, though, but that kind of gives me Oblivion vibes to some extent. Yeah, I can but, see that. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a deep game. Yeah, so you get this, you get this sense that this world is alive, and, and that's quite nice because, although it feels very gamey at times, there aren't that many worlds nowadays that I feel like are places with people that do things and that you are just this inconsequential bystander in this world and they just go about their lives and it's it's i think it's a testament to oblivion that not not many games do it and and what it what it creates is this emergent gameplay which every single time you play this game things will go differently every single time you do a quest things will go differently there's like maybe some some things you can follow to make you kind of, I suppose, do it in the most efficient way, but it never goes entirely according to plan because the AI is so random. And if you've got AI companions, they do their own thing every time. <laughs> it's just, um, I, w- I wouldn't say, I mean, it, it can get tedious in other ways, but in terms of the way that the AI behaves, I wouldn't say it ever gets boring. I'm I'm interested to see where this game stacks up in terms of the AI and the, the world building compared to The Witcher 3 because when I look at The Witcher 3 and Oblivion obviously I know they're leagues apart in terms of the stuff you can do in them and The Witcher 3 is so highly regarded but because I've never really got into The Witcher 3 and now I've replayed Oblivion I'm quite keen to compare them and see quite, if there are any similarities There are there definitely are similarities but I feel like The Witcher 3 takes certain things and does them leagues better than Oblivion. Yeah, of course. And we should expect. Th- yeah, and then there are things that it kind of... I mean, I wouldn't say that The Witcher 3 has amazing AI, um, for example. I think the AI in Oblivion from 2006 is more, more impressive in, in terms of the way that the characters live. I think Witcher 3 is one of those games where you see townspeople and they're, they're just there to fill the streets they're not they're not there to actually have a purpose they're well, not i mean they might have names but i mean not... the, the witcher 3 when it when it came out i mean cg cg cd project red now is classed as you know a triple kind of like a triple a developer even though they completely fluffed cyberpunk but when the witcher 3 came out that they were well known but they weren't you know they they didn't have the kind of standing that they do now, did 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 they? Um, see so they did they Red. did The Witcher two, and The Witcher two is actually excellent. Mm. Um, in some ways, it's better than The Witcher three, in my opinion. Um, and that was that was kind of the one they had a console release on the three hundred and sixty. That was kind of the one that drew my attention to it, and probably some other people's. But yeah, I mean, it, The Witcher three was the one that blew the doors open. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, I mean, in terms of story and side quests and just the feel of the world and the world, I mean, 
the world in The Witch 3 is much, much more atmospheric and it's believable in different ways. It, it might not be believable in terms of there's the behaviour. <laughs> What's that? Not not believable in the fact that there's a griffin. Yeah, but but it's it's um it's believable in that the law is believable and there are things that you will see out in the world that flesh it out really nicely and and the story in that is is, is I think it's great. I mean I love Witcher and I love the books as well, um, and I, I do prefer it to Oblivion, but I think we should give. Oblivion some credit where it's where it deserves it and I think yeah. this is one of the areas that it, it is impressive even today um okay so we've talked we, I suppose we've given a bit of a nod to the gameplay but let's let's move on to our always present section gameplay is king is Oblivion fun to play yeah if you don't play it for too long um you know you, you don't want to spend four or five hours on it because then its age will start to show but i think in in dribs and drabs yes and you know a lot of the um a lot of the side stuff is what makes this game interesting because the the plot itself i can take it or leave it i i really don't like the oblivion gates and all of the planes no i don't like they suck but i think that might be one of the main reasons i don't like this game as much as um say skyrim or whatever but where this game is fun is with the side content with the guilds and things like that and the Dark Brotherhood. So I'd say that if you're going into this to just kind of mess around for a while, then yeah, you probably will have a good time with it. But it's it's not a game that you'll probably be able to find yourself playing for hours and hours at a time. Not anymore anyway. Not not in twenty twenty one. So I played I played it for fifty hours, but I played it in I was playing like an hour every night and I was just uh, maybe a bit more every now and again. Um, I think this game is fun when you're not setting out to be a completionist and you're not you're not saying oh, I'm yeah. going to do all the side quests I'm going to do all the factions all the guilds I think this is what I was doing especially for the first half which I'd say I enjoyed more than the second half because it felt fresh I was going out and I was playing it as if if something came up I'd do it and I was just enjoying it that way Um but I think if you play it from the standpoint that you're going to do everything, it will get tedious very quickly. But I think there is enjoyment to be had if you play it, if you go in to play it rather than you go in to complete, complete it. I mean, I'm not talking about the main story. The main story you can complete quite easily anyway, but I'm talking about really complete it, like 200 to 400 hours complete, complete oh, it. Oh, easily. Well, um, I'll I, I do, a, do a little shout out to um, to someone that we went to uni with. Um, you remember? You remember Marcus? Siobhan? Oh, she, yeah, she loved Oblivion, didn't she? She still plays it. Like I remember, she loved Oblivion. I, I remember talking to her about it a few months ago, and she was like, "I oh, let me know when the when the Oblivion episode comes out because I think she she just restarted playing it, and she's played it quite a few different times. And I I can't get my head around it because I think it's all right, but I I can't get that much joy out of it. But for her, it's like one of her favorite games ever, which. I mean, I, w- I wish I could still see it that way because there probably was a time where I'd be like, yeah, this game's great, I love it, but not so much anymore. But I think it's been a consistent game for her over the years, which I think is quite a cool thing that people can still get a lot of joy from this game, you know? Yeah, and and you you, you look online and you look in videos and stuff like that, and there, and there are definitely that there is definitely that audience for Oblivion that do 
really know the game well and, and love it. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't describe myself as that by any means. No. Um, I mean, I'll, I will probably never play Oblivion again after this. <laughs> I feel like I've played it on and off for years, but I feel like I can put it to bed now. That's how I feel. Um, yeah, so I think it is fun, but it, it all depends on your, I suppose, who you are, what you like, and your patience for things. Yeah, um, definitely. So when you were playing this, what was your favourite thing to do? Archery. It's usually the same with Elder Scrolls games. I really like uh, the archery and using a bow and arrow and sneaking around. I just I just get a kind of weird satisfaction out of it. I did kind of enjoy using the um, the magic as well. I thought the magic was good. But overall, I'd say the, the archery combat and the, the stealth primarily were the thing that I, I enjoyed most. Because what, what, um, what race were you? I didn't ask that. I was um, a red guard for the first time ever. Oh, okay. And how was your red guarding? I mean, red guards are, are known as the, 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 the best for purely athletic and fighting and stuff mm. like that. So the best all-rounders, or not all-rounders because they're the Imperials, but the best pure, I suppose, strong men. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I, I, that was my approach and I was just going in there and <laughs> blundering my way through. Interesting. So I I went with um, I went with a dark elf. This time, just because well, this is the, this is the thing with Oblivion though. The, the different races and the things that you pick. I mean, some of those races I could never be because they just look so hideous. Like an orc. Well, yeah, well that's exactly what I was going to say. The orcs. Is it yeah, Argonians? well I mean. Yeah, the Argonians, but I think they look as a step. I mean, the the Kajita, the cats, and they look pretty terrible as well. If I mean, you know, coin Kajita has wares. Well, the orc, it just looks like, it doesn't look scary. It looks like some it's like a little green goblin. It looks like a, a mishmash of a Disney orc and a <laughs> and, and a goblin from Lord of the Rings. So yeah, it's not, it's not the Urukai, which are, I mean, I just. Yeah, I just think the orcs don't look great. So no. you're always battling with the way that your character looks. Yeah, um, and you can get advice. sick of it quite quickly. Is what I I almost went for a Nord because that's what I always play as. I've used a Nord Skyrim. before. Yeah, you've not been a Nord. I like Nords. Oh, no, I have been a Nord. I was well, I like a Nord the Nords. For my main play through this game, I think. Yeah, I always go for a Nord when I play Skyrim. I, I thought about it for Oblivion. I was like, no, I'll go for something different. I decided. To well, that's what I wanted health. to do. I wanted to try something different and the thing is you can put you can put a helmet on your character my advice is pick whatever character you want and just cover them up as quickly as possible bit, maybe you should head. be a Khajiit when you do Skyrim they've got some good stats as well they've got um, they're stealthy and they can see in the dark so yeah maybe because cats are great what was your favourite move well I mean I I didn't list one as list this one as favourite move because I thought it's 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 not it's not easy to say. Um, but what I wanted to say was the most fun I had playing this game is still always the Dark Brotherhood. Um, I just think that's the best bit of the game. I think it stands; it could stand as its own self-contained thing, and I think it's far better than the main quest. So it's one of the only areas of the game of the game where you have, I suppose, permission to kill people because. This game, as, as we've mentioned, the AI is a bit all over the place and the guards, when you commit a crime, they go crazy 
and they know that basically what happens is if you commit a crime it sends a pulse out so any guards nearby will hear that pulse or will see that pulse and they'll come running so you could be in a bedroom you violated the law exactly yeah so you could be in the top bedroom of a a house no one's seen you go in but (laughs) this pulse goes out and all the guards come running and I think that spoils a lot of the um, I mean one time this was when I when I first played it I was planning a, a heist and I think it was the best defence in the Imperial City. I thought, I'm going to get myself some really good armour. And I planned this heist, was going really carefully, and then this pulse went out and I just got arrested. And I thought, oh, it kind of takes the fun out of um, planning and doing things in that way. Well, I'm sure there are ways you can do it, but... You, sh- you shouldn't have violated the law then, should you? That's <laughs> what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> law violator. So... Um, we talked a lot about the main quest, the side quest. So, th- uh, did you do any of the factions this time? Yeah, I did a little bit of the um, the Dark Brotherhood. I didn't get very far with it. Though. I mostly focused on the main quest with it. I was going to do the Fighters Guild, but then discussed it with you, and then I did actually yeah. remember that the Fighters Guild isn't very good in Oblivion. Um, yeah. I did start the Mages Guild as well, which I always quite enjoyed. But primarily, my focus was on the Dark Brotherhood and. Even though you can't really call it a faction, the little side thing in the arena, which I always enjoyed doing back when I used to play it, you know? It does It does consider it a faction, the arena. What um, does it? Yeah, you've got different ranks, and um, there are actually some side quests that you can do around it. Um, and you get a little yeah. bard to follow you around as well, don't you, a little boy? <laughs> yeah, I had that. So I did uh, I did the arena, and I did the... There's a mission called the Grey Prince, and he's the... He's the arena champion, and he's basically a half blood orc, um, but the other half of him is a vampire. And I remember. He didn't know about his lineage, so you're going to find out, and then you reveal to him that he's a vampire. So then, in your final fight in the arena, he basically says, "Kill me," and um, it lets you kill him. So I think that's a really cool thing. Um, well, something I so always I've... liked about the Elder Scrolls games with the vampires, um, and you could become a vampire if you decided to go down that route, and then obviously in in Skyrim if you want to do the um, it's not the Fighters Guild it's the I can't remember what the guild's called but you, you have to, to complete it you have to become a werewolf which I quite like yeah I think the werewolves were better than the vampires though I mean yeah lots vampires of people complaining kind of about, yeah lots of people complaining about being a vampire because the restrictions it puts on you in Oblivion are really bad same, same as in Skyrim but then they released that DLC for Skyrim um, which name I can't remember, but you you can either become a vampire hunter or a vampire, and the vampires in that DLC are like properly badass, and it's actually worth your time becoming a vampire. <laughs> well, speaking of DLC, um, there was something when when this game was released on the 360, they had these, I, I suppose you could call them like villains bases, and you could pay. They were paid DLC. And I always like the look of them because I just like the idea of having... Sometimes in Oblivion it feels like you never have your own space. I know you can buy houses and stuff like that, but it never really feels like your space. So these bases felt like they would be your space. I never actually bought one, but on this playthrough I bought the um, the Mage's Tower, which was this really cool tower up in the mountains, surrounded by snow um, with its own side quests. And... It was just really cool. I was I, I used that as my my home base, and um, you can you can transport to any of the mages guild 
buildings from there. Yeah, I, I was. It only cost me like a pound or something, so I was quite. I thought, well, why not? I'll do it I, this time. I trust that you um, partook in purchasing some horse armor as well. I didn't, but that that is available on the still available on the uh, mental the Xbox version. On the PS3 version, you couldn't get any of this stuff. Um, it was quite limited for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that, and I did I did the arena, I did the Dark Brotherhood, I did the Fighters Guild. There's a couple of good missions towards the end of the Fighters Guild. Um, I did the Thieves Guild again. There's there's a couple of good ones in the Thieves Guild, but it's a bit of a grind because you have to keep stealing things. To- <laughs> To get your yeah basically your credit up within the guild and, that's, and it gets and a, bit that's a violation of the law, yeah, and then you get arrested and then so on. Um, and I started the the uh, the majors guild, but I never I've never really had patience for the majors guild. Um, I like the yeah, majors guild, especially in Skyrim. It's good. I think when, when we do Skyrim, you should do the majors guild because it's a pretty good uh, quest line. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to play Skyrim. I don't know what I haven't really thought about it. But as um, an Argonian. Yeah, because obviously you, you can just play them differently every time, and that's that's what I like about these games. Yeah, it, depending on how you feel at the time, you can do the things that you want to do, and um, yeah, and I, my favourite is the Dark Brotherhood here, definitely. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> is there anything you want to add about the presentation? I mean, we've talked about potato faces that deserve to have a potato sack on them. Uh, we've talked about some of the vistas still looking quite nice. Um, anything else you want to add on the graphical department? I mean, primarily the the, the one thing that sticks out is just the faces. They're just so bad. Yeah, but, really, really bad. I mean, so, so the the look of the game isn't isn't bad. Like I say, I feel that Morrowind has aged better than uh, Oblivion has, but I think that's just because when Oblivion came out, it was in that in between time when HD games were just taking off, and they were still kind of working out the niggles. Whereas when Morrowind came out, which I think was in 2001 or 2002. It was very much like it, it wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel, it just was what it was. And I think that's why Morrowind looks better than Skyrim, Sky, uh, Oblivion does, in my opinion, because it, it wasn't pushing any boundaries, it just existed in the time that it came out. And I think that's the problem with particularly games of that generation, that they can age quite quickly and quite badly. And I think that's a big thing with Oblivion. But something that did look good, even though I hated being there, was the the, the Oblivion Gates and the Oblivion yeah. Realms. They looked quality. And, I mean, you can definitely see the Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like every one of them is like Sauron's Tower, isn't it? Yeah, big time. So, yeah, the... the the Oblivion Gates look quite good, the Realms of Oblivion, but overall, it's very much just like a mid-2000s game, in my opinion. Like There were elements of it that stood out, but overall, it's just very much a game of its era. I think um, when you go up in the mountains and you you, you get the really... I mean, it, the draw distance on this game is really impressive at times, and like I said again, not like anything else before it, and when you go up in the mountains and you can see the imperial city in the distance, the tower, and it it still it still is impressive. Um, but that's more to do with the framing of the way that the the map is designed and the different things you can see. But it's impressive um, at times. But yeah, it is a real mixed bag. I agree with you there. Mm. Um, 
Okay, so what about the soundtrack? Yeah, the the the, the score to Oblivion is good. I think the 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 serene music that plays when you're traversing when it does come on or the combat music not so much but it's one of those like very low underscores that you don't really notice unless you pay attention to which i quite appreciate so i'd say that the soundtrack was all right it again doesn't doesn't blow me away but neither did the the soundtrack to skyrim or morrowind for that matter i just think it isn't really my vibe um, and I mean, in terms of the sound, you got to knock a point off because it had Sean Bean in it, and he didn't call anyone a bastard in his Sheffield, um, in his dulcet Sheffield tones. But yeah, overall the music was all right. But it's usually the music where I say about games like, oh, it's some of the best music I've ever heard in the game. But this time round, nah, it was, it was fine, but not much to note. I don't think for me. What about you? I think it's pretty good. I like the main theme. I think. It is the music is definitely in service of the world and what you've got to remember when you're walking around the map is you've got all these ambient sounds it could be um, the rain or it could be deer running around or um, annoying enemies or people just talking and chattering in the background um, so it does serve that ambient soundtrack and I think there are some quite memorable pieces in here I mean <laughs> the uh, like when you go into a residence it's almost like the Zelda uh, residence, but it's like, dun, 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 so one, dun. Of your, one of your musical examples again. Everyone always yep, looks forward there to there you it. go. Oh, it's a musical interlude, why not? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you, you've got that, which is, uh, you've got all the memes of people going up to real people on the streets and then that music playing in the background and then that person gets really angry and then the battle thing comes (laughs) (laughs) oh it's great um yeah yeah nothing nothing outstanding but yeah i think it it's all right it fits the game nicely yeah um voice acting is the most mixed bag of anything that we've got here you on the one hand you've got patrick stewart you've got sean bean you've got terence stamp um as the voice of mancar cameron and then on the other hand, you've got about three other voice actors doing the rest of all the other citizens in <laughs> in Oblivion, and that drives me mad. Again, though, so. it's the same in Skyrim. You've got like a few different voices for some of the named characters, but then everyone else is just generic Scandinavian number three. Oh, and so, I find it so... It just takes you out of it. It's just... Particularly with the guards, there's just three different terms of... I used to be an adventurer like you, and then I took an arrow to the knee, and that's it. It's just three different tones of that. I think that's just Elder Scrolls games, you know? Yeah, if other games have done it better, surely they can just pay a few more actors to, to, nah, not possible. to lend their vocal talents, but nah. maybe they blew all their money on Patrick Stewart, Sean Bean, and Terrence Well, Stamp. it's the same in Fallout 3, but you don't notice it as much because everyone's just got a standard American accent. But, I mean, the... the the one standout from from Fallout Three that I can always think of is um, Liam Neeson. Yeah, he, play, he plays your dad, and then you've also yeah. got um, what's his name? Is it Ron Perlman that does the the yeah, thing at the Ron start Perlman. of every Fallout game? War never changes. Yeah, I think I think the problem with Oblivion though is that, like you said, in in Fallout it may not be as obvious because it's just a, a general just American. American accent, but in Oblivion they've all got weird voices, so. Yeah. The, like, <laughs> so, so 
Oh, it's just terrible. I mean, it, it, it ranges from, I'd say, probably an eight or nine for the named, the proper big actors that are in it to zero or one yeah. for, for everyone else. Easily. Yeah, so it's a real, real, real mixed bag there. Okay, on to our question of the week. Um, so, as a fan of Lord of the Rings, uh, I'm, I'm, I know that this is a very Lord of the Rings-centric episode, but we don't have a Lord of the Rings game on this list, so I feel like um, we're giving it its nods here. Um, what would you most like to see from a game set in Middle-earth? Hmm. I mean... Because you are also a Lord of the Rings fan, as I am. Yeah, to some extent. I've still not been able to go back and watch the films since I did the back-to-back marathon at that, but that wasn't in London. that long ago, was it? That was, what was that? Well, that was a couple of years, a few years 2015. ago. 2015. <laughs> See, I watched the Lord of the Rings films recently. Well, last year, I think I watched them. But I hadn't watched them for a while before that, but I still think they're great. I want to go back to them, but just that that marathon in the cinema is just... It's been it's been six years, but um, yeah, I'd have I to do, do another marathon soon. Well, quite yeah, I, I've forgotten what actually happens in the films. Um, <laughs> I, I did used to like the Lord of, Lord of the Rings games, primarily the Two Towers and the Return of the King. Yeah. I thought they were pretty good. the The Fellowship of the Ring game, not so much. And you and me have joked about that a lot, just because of. I mean, what's it, a pretty it's, bird. What's a pretty bird? It's, it's 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 a game of the book, isn't it? The Fellowship of the Ring. It's not yeah. a game of the film. And then you had games like the Third Age, and you know Third Age was all right actually. And then obviously most most recently you had the uh, Shadow of uh, Mordor and Shadow of War. Probably the best ones so far. Yeah, and I mean particularly for the um, the Nemesis system that they put into it, I thought that was really cool. Love the Nemesis system. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think the the problem with the the Shadow games is that it feels like they they lent too hard on Assassin's Creed. They felt very Assassin's Creedy. Yeah. And I think a good Lord of the Rings game should be like what Skyrim is really. Just open world, more polished. And I mean, the thing is, you've got that that Harry Potter game coming out in the next few years. Oh, that, I was this is this was I was I wanted to that, that I was going to kind of bring that up. I mean, I'm I'm not really bothered about Harry Potter in the least, um, but to Harry Potter fans, that's the game that they always wanted. And but no one's as a Lord of the Rings now. fan, what's that? No, no one's going to buy it now though because well, it's been yeah, there's obviously J.K. The... Rowling's a turf. <laughs> well, I I still think sadly it's going to sell like hotcakes. Um, but as a Lord of the Rings fan, I've never had that that moment of this is the Middle Earth universe that I now get at my feet to explore. The thing is, um, I think if they did do a game like that, it needs to be completely separate from the Lord of the Rings. I agree. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. with this new Harry Potter game, I'm pretty sure it's set in Hogwarts, but it's set in the 1800s. So, you know, like 100 years before the whole thing with, with Voldemort and Harry Potter goes on. Well, it's and like I think Kotor, that's good. isn't it? But I think they could have gone further by not having it based in Hogwarts. Maybe having it set in one of the other magical schools like um, Durmstrang or Bobatons. Um, I think I probably know a bit more about Harry Potter than you do. Yeah, I, I. You, just said, you just said two names that I have no yeah. idea what are. I, I've read all the books. Um, 
when I was a kid, I used to love Harry Potter. But um, yeah, I think a Lord of the Rings game would need to be its own thing in itself. Because I mean, even Shadow of War, or Sh- I've only played the first one. I Shadow, Shadow of Mordor, Mordor and Shadow of War. Um, so Mordor though, is the first one. Even though it was separate from the story of the Lord of the Rings, it still felt like it was Lord it of the Rings. It leans too much into it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, um, what's the main character? Is it T- Talion? Yeah. Something like that. He just felt Generic too much Aragorn, Aragorn number two. Yeah, he, he was basically Aragorn. And I mean, yeah. I really like Aragorn. He wasn't my favourite member of the Fellowship, but Aragorn was a cool character. But it just felt like just do something that's a little bit more out there than what it was. Well, there was a game that was announced in 2006 that this was when I was really following games journalism. There's Lord of the Rings White Council that was announced and it was supposed to be this big sprawling RPG set outside of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I think it may even have been set in the Second Age and... Uh, yeah, you had Middle Earth at your feet. You could choose between a human, a dwarf, um, an elf, and um, a hobbit. And it had a completely different story, and, the, and apparently the goal was to join the White Council. Um, it sounded great, and it, and it looked, from, from the things that they released, looked really cool, but obviously it's a, a huge, huge undertaking, and it was cancelled. And ever since then, I've been fantasizing about this um this this lord of the rings game that we're never going to get or this middle earth game we're never going to get yeah um the closest thing funnily enough they came to it was i don't know if you ever played it lego lord of the rings i might have done i played quite a few of the lego games uh, now, lego lord no, of I, the I played rings. a demo for lego lord of the rings i think the demo was doing helm's deep well lego lord of the rings gave you this in- interconnected world so you could actually walk from the Shire to Mount Doom. Was this the game that I think when I came to visit you a few years ago, you went to go and buy it for um for Becca's birthday, didn't you? Was it? Was it? Oh, maybe. Yeah, it was, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah one maybe of the Lego was, games. Maybe. I can't remember if it was that or if it was the it Hobbit. Might have been the Hobbit. It might have been that or the Hobbit mm. because they're both actually pretty good games, and they've got these condensed Middle Earths. And and when I say condensed, if you you're in a quite a large area, it's still quite a large area, but you could be standing just outside Mount Doom and you can see Minas Tirith, um, but you can also see the road to where the dead men of Dunharrow are. Mm. So it's it's this weird kind of condensed map, but it's still for all intents and purposes you can walk from Frodo's house in the Shire all the way to Mount Doom, which I, th- I think is pretty impressive. Um, I, I, I don't think you're ever going to get a game that, for me, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Tolkien stuff, it's all about a journey. And what I think a lot of open world games nowadays don't do well is the journey. Like Oblivion, you start off at the epicenter, which is the Imperial City, and you're just kind of making trips out and then coming back, and then trips out, and then coming back. But the thing with Lord of the Rings is, is it, well, with Middle Earth, is usually has a start point, and then you have an end point, which is across the other side of the map. And to get there is a very long and arduous journey. And I think open world games sometimes struggle to give that journey weight. Well, 
Well, Skyrim is a prime example of that. And it, it, again, I think it was um, mentioned by Super Bunny Hop that in in Skyrim, obviously the inciting incident is that you find out that you're Dragonborn and you can do the dragon shouts. But then the reason given for that is you're the Dragonborn. Well, why are you the Dragonborn? Well, because I was born this way. But why were you born this way? Don't know. That's just the way it is. And it, there's no real law behind it or ever ever a real reason given so it makes the whole thing it's still fun and being the dragonborn using the dragon shouts is great fun but you're just the dragonborn for the sake of the plot you know yeah and I, and I suppose it's it's the difference between coming from a book which has to have this narrative arc and translating that to a game whereas obviously yeah Skyrim is an amalgamation of all western fantasy isn't it so yeah exactly so it can be whatever it wants to be mm. um i i always i just in my mind i just think western rpgs often struggle to tell that story of the journey i think because japanese rpgs are more linear they can add a bit more weight to the story and it feels like there's more progression well bear in mind that netflix i, th- I think they are netflix is currently um putting together a tv series of the lord of the rings and oh really I, yeah I'd, I'd say god knows why is it is it set outside of, of no it's, um... it's it's the it's the lord of the rings it's oh yeah <laughs> I, I was about to say i don't know why but of course i know why it's cause they know it'll make all the money but yeah it's another one of those things that doesn't need to exist because peter jackson's films you know even though i've not watched them for about six years they're, oh, they're still great though yeah they're still amazing i mean yeah. the hobbit not so much less good yeah but but still i still think they're entertaining in their own right i mean i've I've not read any of the books and i've never read, read the hobbit but i just know that the hobbit is a quite a short book and they turned it into three films when they didn't yeah. need to i think they could have happily turned it into two films and well it's, it's what it. it's what um you know it's, it's what movie studios were doing at the time it came out when they, cause they they did it with the last hunger games film as well and yeah i don't know if you watched the hunger games the hunger games is pretty good i watched I've watched um, maybe two of them. I'm I'm not a fan. Oh, just, I quite enjoyed them. But, I just find them to be a bit teeny and yeah. But I mean, with with this newfound interest in the Lord of the Rings, potentially it, it could mean that there's a game coming. I mean, you look at um, you look at the, the the Square Enix game, the 007 game that's coming out. That's kind of come from left field. No one knew that was going to be a thing, and then they, oh, it's um, it's IO, it? isn't it? It's, yeah, um, IO. Sorry, not creative. They're now owned by Warner Brothers, I think. Oh, are they? Yeah, so so Square sold them. And speaking of Warner Brothers, um, I'm pretty sure they've got the game rights to Lord of the Rings as well. So there I'm pretty you go. Sure. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. So you never know. So they released the um, the recent Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor. Mm. I mean, I would just... I, I don't think you can do... Unless you condense it like the Lego games. I think you'd have to do... You know, what The Witcher 2 did was... You had areas, and it might be a large area, a large hub area, and once you finished in that hub area, you'd move on to the next hub area, but that could be some miles away, so you've got a completely different setting, really. Um, I think that's the, the way to do Lord of the Rings, because I think recreating Middle-earth is just impossible, and it wouldn't be satisfying, it wouldn't be done well, so I'd rather have them create these detailed hub world, hub areas, and do it that way. So you might have the Shire, you might have, I don't know, around Moria and Caradhras, so you might have somewhere completely different, the Misty Mountains or 
So yeah, I, I, I would love it, but I'm not holding well, my breath. You know what will happen if if it does come out and it's bad, you can always take Hugo Weaving's advice from the film and throw it into the fire. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it. that. Well, it's already in the fire at the moment, so there you go. A little reference for you. But yeah, right. Okay. Lord so of the we've Rings had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, Bethesda, Lord of the Rings, little side, little side trek into Harry Potter. Um, right. Now let's wrap things up. Now I wanted to change the question this week because I'm just, I'm just been thinking about this this question: Did the critics get it right? And it kind of puts the question in the past. So what I've changed it to is: Does Oblivion deserve a spot on this top 100 games list? If this doesn't work, we can always go back to that. But I yeah, just want to trial um, a different. No, I don't think so. There were improvements from Morrowind, obviously, but it didn't jump as far ahead um, as I think it could have done or what people say it was. And obviously when this game came out, it reviewed very well because Skyrim didn't exist and it's very hard to look at this from a perspective of never having played its successor. But if we're talking, does Oblivion deserve to be on this list? No, but I think Morrowind does. So I, I think that take Skyrim out of the the question completely. Skyrim doesn't exist. And if it was just down to Oblivion or Morrowind, I'd say that Morrowind deserves a place on this list over Oblivion. But it's that doesn't mean that it isn't fun. I quite enjoyed going back to it. And like you, I'll probably never play it again. Um, I'm done with it now. But yeah, I'd much rather play Morrowind than I would Oblivion. That's fair enough, and, and I, I think a lot of um, Elder Scrolls fans would agree with you there. I think both have their fan bases, but yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I find th- this is this is the trick, the tricky thing with Oblivion. As I said, um, so many games borrowed this formula. So even there are some things that Oblivion does really well still, and sometimes it's quite enjoyable. And in terms of the radiant AI and in terms of um, this living world that they've created, in some ways it still feels quite fresh, but in other ways it feels incredibly, incredibly dated. Um, And you just can't ignore the fact that every other game is is an open world game that has refined these mechanics and... I think you can you can say it about other Bethesda games as well. I think they're not they're no longer the cutting edge. Um I mean Skyrim came out what 2012 11? Uh Skyrim came out in 2011. Yeah, so I mean that's 10 years old now. Yeah. Um and I just think other games do it better and the the Bethesda jank there's just not really a good reason for it when other games don't have it. Um so there's something about these games and, and, and it applies to the Fallout games as well that I don't love them anymore and I really did love them at one point. I mean, when I met you, I loved Oblivion. I'd not, I'd not completed it at that point, but I loved Oblivion and what it did. And I was one of the first people to buy Skyrim and then it went on my backlog and then I started playing it finally and I fell off. Um, but I just don't... 
I don't know how much I care for these games anymore. And I think, yeah, for, for that reason, I think there's probably a game that I care for more that deserves a spot on this list. Yeah. That's my conclusion. No, I know what you mean. The, I think the, the thing with these games is they, they came out at the right time, the right place, and we were at the right age to enjoy them. And I mean, I I know that when we go back to playing Skyrim, I'll enjoy it because I really enjoy playing Skyrim whenever I do play it and I will get a little bit lost in there. But I, I get where you're coming from with that. It's Times have moved on, haven't they? And Bethesda hasn't really. But we'll see what, what comes with um, Elder Scrolls 6. Yeah, I just feel like they need a new engine to to yeah, 100%. To, to try with, and and that that's where it is. I think all these games feel like they're on the same decaying engine, and that they've been using since nineteen forty three. It just feels like we're past it now, aren't we? There are there are so many games coming out with these new engines that can do so many things, and it seems like some of the fundamentals they can never get right with any of these games. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my conclusion. Uh, no, that's fair enough. But, I mean, Oblivion's got its fans. And if you, listener, are a fan and you think that we've got it wrong, let us know. Um, because I think this is one of those games that is very subjective. Yeah, it's all about the stories that you make within Oblivion. And yes. they can make you love it. And I, and I do have those stories, but I, I just think they're in the past for me. Yeah, I feel like same. Yeah. I, I don't want to recreate them. No, I agree. It's it, it was good for the time, but maybe now we're just a little bit past it. We're too old. We're, we're too elderly for yeah. for such such games. Um, but no, right. I, I think I think that's a pretty fair analysis of Oblivion. I think we we can both agree that it it was and still is a very good game. Yeah, but it's still enjoyable. I still I still think as well yeah. as it could have done. You can still get some fun out of it, and I still recommend that Dark Brotherhood side quest. I still think that's great. Mm. If only the whole game was as good as that. Um, Okay, so next time, coming up on the Long and Short of It podcast is, would you like to reveal? Yes, this this game, Oblivion, has been kind of a joint one that we agree on. But as you may know, every week we switch it up with, we choose a game, and I'll choose a game, Dan chooses a game. So the last game that was chosen was Quake before this one. So the next game is my choice and we are going to be playing Tekken 3 for the PS1. Which is a Tekken game. <laughs> it's, you know, there's not too much you can say about Tekken without going into detail. of it. It's, a, it's an arcade fighter. So we'll see what comes of that one. My, my main experience with Tekken has been with Tekken 2. So, I've dipped I, in and out here and there, but I don't yeah. have any significant experience. I'd say. I mean, I know Tekken Three has ended many friendships over the question of whether or not it's cheating to play as Eddie. So, <laughs> we'll discuss that in depth on the next episode. That do and you, other topics coming up. Yes. Do you, Do you want to reveal the next few games that we've got coming up? The next five and the dates, or do you want to keep that under wraps? Um, I think we'll keep it a surprise. You're not. You're not allowed to know. Listen, you mind your own business. It's a secret. Yeah, I just. I just feel. I, just, I mean, maybe we'll. Maybe some of them will re- reveal beforehand. But, I mean, some of them, 
I'm not tremendously excited about, so I don't want to reveal them yet. But one of them you are very excited about. Yeah, a couple of them I am actually excited about, but there's definitely one in there that I'm definitely not excited about. But until we release that information, listener, mind your own business. We're not, yeah. we're not telling you. It's a secret. So keep your nose out. Keep, keep your nose nosy. Mind your, mind your business. Outrageous. <laughs> the audacity to ask such a question. Goodness. Right. Oh, anything Anything else to add? <laughs> no, that, that, that's it from me. Um, cool. As usual, you can get us on the socials, uh, on email, at the long short of it podcast at hotmail.com, I think it is. It's been two weeks since I've said it, so I've forgotten what it's called. You get us at the long... I, I can't remember what any of our social media handles are, but we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email at why we're wrong about Oblivion and why you love it so much. I'd be interested to hear that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I've got to say. Anything from you? No, that's it from me. Well, See you on the next one. Yes, we hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into Tamriel. And we'll see you next time for Tekken. So in the meantime, take care. Cheerio.